0: to Hacks and Jacks, a fantasy baseball podcast. I am Joe Galena, and as always, I am joined by my co-host, Scott Chu, and he's ready to dispense his immense baseball knowledge to you. How's it going there, Scott?
1: It's pretty good. I kind of hope this isn't like a Samson and Delilah Delilah thing. People can't see me, but I've lost my mustache, which may have been the source of my fantasy powers. It's gone. How didn't I Um, notice that? I've got a... (laughs) Yeah, I, I've got a wife and she finally, you know, she's put her foot down many times. <laughs> and this being like the 26th time, it was finally time to get rid of it. So I'm very sad, heartbroken even, but I've sort of brought, you know, I've, I've kind of pulled it all in. I've, I've fixed myself up. I'm back together. I'm finding a way to get through this podcast. How long were you wearing the mustache? You know, yeah. honestly, it's to the point now where I don't even remember. <laughs> it was sometime early COVID. I started mm-hmm. just letting it go. Yeah. The problem with losing it is that the process to get it back, there's this like very long, awkward phase, mm-hmm. it, like a solid like two or three weeks as you're trying to get it back in. Especially because like for me, it's very it's very thin. Like the the line of hair that grows is very thin, so it's got this very John Waters esque feel to it. <laughs> so it's like a solid like two or three weeks before it looks at all like it should be in public. So and, and like masks are still around, thankfully, but you know it it's going to be rough to get it back so yeah you know, i've got to i've got to curry a lot of favor before i can go back down that road
0: Do you, i know you have a young son he recognizes you right without the mustache he does okay. he, he was kind of bummed he
1: <laughs> liked it and so I, you know it, it's ridiculous that my wife was outvoted 2 to 1 and here i am mustacheless <laughs> but here we are
0: yeah, i mentioned it cuz Runyan odor a new yankee you know the yankees have that rule where everyone has to shave off their, their facial hair so odor had to shave off his tremendous beard and uh, according to michael k who does the play-by-play for yes network his daughter won't look at him anymore she doesn't recognize him so <laughs> when i saw him the first time in a game i didn't recognize him i was like oh, they bring up with some kid who's this <laughs> so we're in may it's may for just to give uh, people uh, a reference point where broadcasting uh this recording this podcast may 1st saturday it's about 6 p.m eastern time We've had a lot of issues getting together. I've had some uh, laptop issues. So, uh, and hey, we get it done, right? Last week, you had a record from your cell phone, and uh, I'm using a, a laptop from, from Bedrock. We'll have a it's a Stone Age laptop. I had to revert back to my old one, but here we are. So, first month of the season is behind the Scott. We've got, uh, opened up today, the Red Sox, Royals, A's in first place in the AL, Phillies, Brewers, Giants in first place in the NL. Any surprises that stick out to you there? I mean, the Red Sox resurgence, you know, Alex Korabak, you know, the the Royals being in first place. How about the Pirates starting out today, 12 and 13? Everyone thought they were going to be horrible, but at least they've got a puncher's chance of, of winning some games.
1: You know you're in a good place when you're 12 and 13 and everyone's like, "How about them?" You know? Really really surprising us. Sub 500. They're doing great. That, that's a tough place, but I mean, obviously I think the Royals are the surprise. The question is going to be, can they continue to hit like this? I think their pitching is scrappy enough that, you know, I don't think Danny Duffy's going to be this good for all that long, but, you know, can Carlos Santana still be a, a very good first baseman mm-hmm. on the hitting side. Can they continue to sort of cobble all this together? And what's promising for them is they haven't had Aldo Mondesi yeah. this whole time. Yeah. So it, that'll be interesting to see. You know, they, they don't need all of these guys to continue hitting this well, but they need a couple of them for sure, because at some point the bats in Chicago and Minnesota are going to wake up. Sure. And that's going to make it really hard for the Royals unless they can at least cobble together a slightly above average offense. Which on paper looks looked very difficult before the season started.
0: Yeah, yeah, and you talk about you know some of their bats getting hot. Andrew Benintendi, four three home runs in his last eight games. So I always felt that that move from the Red Sox to the Royals would be a good one for him. You know, we had talked about like how many reporters he'd have to face in Boston every day compared to what we think of as a little bit of a laid back atmosphere in Kansas city, but let's get on with some news and then uh, get on with the podcast There, Corbin Burns uh, on the IL brewers. Aren't saying why, which suggests that it's COVID related and don't be too shocked if by the time you hear this on Monday, because the podcast will come out Monday, maybe he might be back because you got a lot of people put on the COVID related IL and then reinstated right away. Sometimes it's vaccine related or whatnot.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's uh. It's the kind of thing where there's no minimum stay. So teams don't have any reason not to just, if they can at all justify a COVID IL stint, they will, Mm -hmm. right? You feel a little under the weather. Ah, That's fine. We'll send you down. Uh, We'll put you on the COVID IL and we'll bring somebody up to spot start for you today. Now with Corbin Burns, of course, the big news is just going to be how long do you need to cover for him? Because I don't see how you possibly sit him that first game back. Right. Right. Uh, You know, Nick talks a lot about that ILH and how, there's that hangover, and you don't want to start him. That's not going to be what happens with Corbin Burns. I mean, I think you're trying to squeeze every bit of juice you can out of that orange. So, you're you're going to activate him as soon as he available as he's available, and the only question is going to be how many streamers do you have to pick up till then.
0: I'm with you. Cardinals in the news. Adam Wainwright also to the COVID IL. It's a precautionary move after one of his family members tested positive for the virus. Veteran pitcher still able to get it done on occasion. Got rocked in his first start since then. 2.42 ERA in his last four. Pitched a complete game when he gave up two runs in his last start. What's a complete game, Scott?
1: Who knows anymore, <laughs> right? You just pitch the whole time. That's complete game. So, I think, you know, the big thing with Wainwright, as far as I can tell, and obviously Nick Pollock knows a little more than I do, but that curveball looks great, right? That that's really picked up. And when you throw low nineties, you need a, you need a couple breaking pitches to make you be successful. Wainwright's really found that, that curveball. I mean, the other stuff's working. Okay. I'm surprised at how many positive results he's gotten out of that, you know, bare you know, barely 90 fastball. But we'll see, you know, we'll see how that goes. I mean, even in those two runs, they were home runs. That's kind of what I'm expecting is is for him to give up a lot of home runs. But as long as the curveball's working, he can be moderately effective. So, you know, again, it's COVID IL, which means you can put him on the real IL and you can stream until he comes back. And depending, you know, because it doesn't sound like he's gotten the virus, you don't have to worry about that ILH. You can just throw him right in when he's back because he's, He is presumably healthy. Mm -hmm,
0: mm -hmm. More cards news. They activated Harrison Bader off the IL and his activation happens just as Tyler O'Neal starting to heat up three home runs in his last five games for O'Neal. And overall, I think we've gotten a good sense of who Bader is kind of 15 home or 15 stolen base type production. And Chances are he's going to kill your batting average two ten batting average over the past couple of seasons.
1: Yeah, I mean, Harrison Bader and Tyler O'Neill they're, they're very fringy guys in most formats because they have some glaring weaknesses like Harrison Bader's cool for that power speed, but the batting average is really bad, which means his slumps are really, really bad, mm. right? Like he goes on these, you know, what feels like over 30 tears and it just kills you, but you know, I think Bader and O'Neal are going to continue to get a lot of time in this outfield because number one, they can heat up, right? And they're both pretty good fielders. So I think the Cardinals really want to run with these guys. I think the story in the outfield for them is Dylan Carlson. Sure. Right. And he's, he's hitting well. He's, you know, my favorite thing is that he's hitting up high in the order, Mm -hmm. right? That was really what I wanted to see. How long would it be before Carlson got to move up? Because Bader and O'Neal, They're really cool, but they tend to hit towards the bottom of this order because of their contact issues. So seeing Carlson not being at the bottom and getting moved to the top, I think that's really important. He's got a ton of upside. I do think he needs to be uh, rostered in pretty much every format if you can do it. Maybe like a 10-team, 3-outfield is where you don't. Right, Everything else, I think you strongly consider it. and. The last thing I'll say about the Cardinals, the player I'm worried about is Tommy Edmond, mm-hmm. right? So the combined and crummy 2020 and 21 samples are now about as big as the good 2019 sample. Mm-hmm. So it's no longer like things are going to balance out. We have to start worrying whether there's a new player in there and it's the type of player we don't want in fantasy. So I, I think if, I've, if I'm rostering Edmond, I'm paying very close attention. Maybe you can move him. If not, like, I think we're getting pretty close to this point where, you know, we have as much bad as good Mm -hmm. and it's time to move on. And, you know, even if you look at that full stat line for his career, it's like a little over a full season. It looks really good, but it's real front loaded. Yeah, yeah. He was great when he started. He's been really rough since then. Really, his last 80 games have been pretty rough. So I'm getting ready to move on from him in some of my more shallow leagues. Hmm,
0: Good point. Yeah, uh, Edmund and Carlson going in two different directions. Carson slumped badly last season, but 339 batting average in his last 16 games entering the weekend, killing left-handers, batting 375, walking more, striking out less. So yeah, I agree with your take on Carson and I agree with your warnings about Tommy Edmond. So we're getting close to the point where you might want to cut ties, but uh, it's still may, but it's getting late pretty early right is that what yogi used to say i don't know
1: (laughs) i mean the big thing for him is it's not like we've got years of track record on edmund we have one Mm -hmm. we have less than one full season Mm -hmm. of good tommy edmund Mm -hmm. and the shorter the track
0: record the
1: shorter the leash yes right i mean that's what we're looking at here
0: well we don't have too much data to go by jazz chisholm but so far it's been really good 294 home runs seven stolen bases in his first 21 games unfortunately this week went on the il with a left hamstring strain isan diaz who was considered one of the Marlins' top prospects what do you think about him he's filling in for uh chisholm while he is recuperating on the il
1: yeah, before the Jazz trade, Isan Diaz was really, like, the premier middle infielder in this system. The thing is, he's nothing like Jazz Chisholm, mm-hmm. right? Like, Diaz is really more of a hit, like, a, he's got some power in there, like, okay power. He's not going to steal a lot of bases, and we're still waiting for that hit tool to develop. And because he doesn't have any loud tools and doesn't have any speed, he's probably more of an L- NL-only play for me.
0: mm-hmm. mm-hmm. All right. Can we talk about my Yankees? I mean, you're the host. I saw it in the notes. I figured we would. Yeah. Okay. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, So we got some news this week where catcher Kyle Higashioka will be getting more playing time and uh, at the expense, of course, of Gary Sanchez. Basically, a platoon, not really 100% sure what type of a platoon, if it's going to be a 50-50, or Kyle Higashioka might get a little bit more playing time. Well, he already started the season as Garrett Cole's personal catcher. So, I mean, right there, Corey Kluber pitched much better with Higashioka behind the plate. So, at this point, Higashioka is a better defensive catcher. Good blocking framing skills. And right now, he's even a better offensive catcher compared to Sanchez. Sanchez entered the weekend with a 193-29-310 slash line. Higashioka has a 276, 364, 759 slash line. Four home runs and 29 at-bats. Has some sneaky home run power. 27 home runs, 162 game average. So to quote the Yankees radio play-by-play guy, uh, John Sterling, Gary is scary. Oh, that Gary is scary. But for all the wrong reasons right now. He really is. And the problem
1: is there's nothing he can hang his hat on. Right, he's hit poorly for quite some time now. He's never been a strong defensive catcher, so every time the Yankees are putting him in, they're kind of hoping he's going to have an offensive breakout, and it's never happening. Right, so what advantage do the Yankees have for putting Gary Sanchez in? Like they're hoping he can hit a home run, but you know, Igashiokas looked even better at hitting home runs lately because at least he can hit the ball. Mm-hmm. You know, home run comes after bat on ball, mm-hmm. and Gary Sanchez can't do that. I think if you're in a single catcher league, especially a 10 or a 12, I think it's time to move on. I think, you know, we'll talk about a catcher later in the show that you can pick him up oh, yeah. and and replace him. But it's time to move on, right? Like, I know that Sanchez can turn it on at any time and have three home runs in a weekend. He did that, in fact, early in the season. I think it was like opening weekend. Mm-hmm. Hit a bomb or two. Yes. Looked refreshed, and it was gone, mm-hmm. right? Because you're waiting for these little blips, and then you've got these long droughts. Mm-hmm. And every day you wait, like, because of the way he is, you're going to be, continue to be uh, like compelled to leave him in. He's just draining your batting average. Mm-hmm. It's all he's doing right now. It's all he's been doing for quite some time. It's time to move on.
0: But I agree. And it's uh, th- th- amazing that it's come to this because, uh, I mean, Yankee fans have been hearing about him and uh, him, I mean, Gary Sanchez, since he was 17 years old. So you, you kind of feel bad for the guy, but it's just not improving. So uh, Yanks also had uh, made a trade this week where they traded for a reliever, Juan de Peralta. They already have a very good bullpen, solidifies uh, their bullpen somewhat. Uh, Darren O'Day, by the way, went on the IL today. So uh, an extra arm in the bullpen will help. But I wanted to focus on who the Yankees gave up, outfielder Mike Tuchman. And I uh, want to ask you about Tuchman fantasy value with the trade because traded to the Giants looks like he's going to be a starter in San Francisco, at least for the short term uh, so far in his first two games, four for eight, Mike, your is on the IL with a left oblique strain. That's always a uh, tough to predict how long it's going to take for a player to recover from that type of injury. Uh, just ask the blue Jays who just got back George Springer this week, uh, but uh, a lefty hitter who could play all three outfield spots Best season, 2019, 13 homers, six stolen bases, batted .277 in 87 games. And small sample size, but in 19 at-bats, three fifty-three batting average at Oracle Park. I mean, I'm going to take a flyer on him in my TGFBI league, deep league like that. What, what do you think about his uh, fantasy value going forward?
1: I mean, that's really the leagues where there's value here. Because as cool as it was that he hit 13 home runs in 2019, <laughs> he's not actually hit any home runs in any other season. <laughs> ever. Right? At least not at the big league level. He doesn't have any. Right? Even in the uh, what? Uh, over 50 games, 56 games since then. Zero home runs, right? So this is a guy who you hope in a full season could put together like maybe like peak is like 15 home runs, 15 stolen bases, but that means he'd have to play all season. I don't think he will, so you're really kind of hoping for like double digits mm-hmm. of each, barely with uh, a not great batting average on a team that like has plenty of lefties already. Like they're not really hurting for lefties behind the dish where they have to get them in when they face a righty. So again, 15 team, or you want to make a, you know, you, you've got a hole at your fifth outfielder, which I mean, unless you drafted really heavy outfield, you probably always have a hole. Mm-hmm. You can give it a try, but otherwise, I mean, there's just been so little power other than 2019. It's really hard to get too excited And he's not even a full-time starter. You you go from the Yankees where he couldn't even play to the Giants where he'll play half the time.
0: I think he had some power in the minor leagues, but you know, those Colorado uh, prospects, they play in the PCL. So maybe that might be a little magnified a little bit. But yeah, I I see what you're saying. I guess I'm just throwing a dart. You know, I need some help in in a deep league. But why don't we play the mystery music? music? Because uh, what the heck is going on with Aaron Judge? The mystery continues. It looks like we'll be able to prove the existence of Bigfoot but before we really figure out what's going on with Judge. Misses more time this week due to, quote-unquote, lower body soreness. Few things bothering him in the lower body. They said there were too many things to get specific. But then how could you argue? Because... He misses two full games, comes back on Friday night, hits two home runs. Then uh, on Saturday, goes three for five with three RBI. I'm just worried because of the vagueness in terms of, of, of what's going on with him. But at the same point, maybe the Yankees are just trying to manage him a little bit better with all you know, the time he's missed over the past few years that they feel that maybe every once in a while he just needs to take you know, a step back. I mean, obviously, you're never going to sit this guy if it's a situation like what we happened, what happened this week. But it is a mystery.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's six seven, two hundred and eighty something pounds. I mean, lower body, too many things going on. That actually almost makes sense, <laughs> right? The guys, the guy's the size of an offensive tackle, mm-hmm. right? Like lower body stuff. I get it, right? Like he's he's really big. It's really hard to stress that. Like he looks big on the field, but like again, I just have to say it out loud: six seven, two eighty two. That's legit NFL lineman size. There's there's not many players this big in Major League Baseball, like not even close, right? I mean, this is like top 1% size. So he's really big and it, it does seem like it's, you know, he gets beat up quite a bit. I will say, you know, he's already, he's got two games into this Detroit, New York series this weekend, and he's already got five hits and eight RBI. Mm. So whatever might've been broken facing the Tigers pitching seems to have fixed it. Right. He is just raking. So by the time you listen to this, his over is like season long stat line is going to look way better. It's already up a ton just in the last three games. Right. Because he's coming into Saturday. He had three home runs and six RBI in two starts mm-hmm. and then he just continues to rake. So maybe that's what he, needs. he just needs a little time off and, and feeling a little more healthy. Um, so. You know it's hard to get too worried because they they pull him for a couple of days and that's frustrating. But mm-hmm. then he comes
0: back and just rakes. Yeah, so. yeah. Sure, why not? And that was why I kind of asked you if it was okay to play uh, talk about the Yankees because yeah, we played your Tigers and you know things haven't been working out too well. If for you.
1: if we had to not talk about every team that beat up on the Tigers by the end of this,
0: we just, <laughs> we just wouldn't be able to talk. They're good. The podcast would be over. Um baseball's minor league season begins on May the fourth. May the fourth be with you. Are you a Star Wars fan or no?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean I, I don't have uh some classic vintage Star Wars behind me uh quite like you do, uh in the in the what I can see on the camera, but yes, you yes. know, I
0: enjoy it. It's my uh Empire Strikes Back at, at all-terrain armored transport vehicle. So, but the reason why I bring it up, Bobby Witt is going to be starting in double A, the uh, Royals shortstop prospect and Rays' shortstop prospect, Wanda Franco going to start the season in triple A. And I bring that up because Alex Kirilov top prospect for the twins has been heating up uh, as of Saturday afternoon, three home runs in his last two games. I've been waiting for this guy to do this. I have him on my auto new team. And I knew I should have started him today because these home run hitters, they're so streaky that once they start hitting home runs, it's off to the races.
1: Yeah. It's really hard to quantify that whole locked in thing, but if you've ever played a sport, it's a real thing, (laughs) right? Like you get locked in, you have a a game, a couple games, a a couple weeks, even where you feel like everything's going right. You know, I'm a, I'm a rec league soccer goalie. And even I get in and out of the zone, Mm -hmm, right? I have mm -hmm. weeks where I can't, figuring out how to play goalie. I've got my gloves on backwards. I don't know what's going on. And then I've got other weeks where I look like I trained for this my whole life mm-hmm. and I haven't, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, I'm stopping everything. So there's a bit to that. I really like Kirilov. My r- only real problem is eventually Miguel Sano coming back and with Kirilov and, you know, I was going to talk about it later. I'm just going to do it right now. Like big issue with Kirilov is can he keep playing right? The hit tool is awesome. The power's great. He cannot field mm-hmm. right He has a speed grade of 30. You know how hard it is for a young guy to have a speed grade of 30? (laughs) Like my speed grade's 35 and I'm slow, Mm -hmm. right? Like (laughs) it is really hard to have a speed grade of 30. So what I'm watching for, I mean, until Sano comes back, I think you play him every day, but this was already a crowded bench, Mm -hmm. especially at like, you know, there's no corner outfield spots available, right? He's really kind of going to be stuck at first. And when Sano is back, It's him or Sano. And are they ready to just like give up on Sano? I mean, worst case scenario, they platoon them. That would be a disaster. And I'm not even sure it offers them a lot of advantages. So I'm really excited about him. I'm really worried he's going to either go back down or only play two, three times a week. Mm
0: -hmm. All right. Well, in the meantime, I think it's time for me to put him in the lineup every day, at least for the time being. But let's move on. I wanted to talk about some players who have gotten off to some unexpected hot starts. Are they legitimate? Is it legit or is it time to quit on them? So uh, just in general, so far in the first month of the season, pitchers have been getting the best of hitters. League batting average so far is 232, but poor batting average early in the season isn't unheard of. First month of the 2020 season, league batting average was 230. First month of the 2019 season, league batting average was 246. Do you read into any of that stuff where once the hot weather moves in, uh, ball typically travels farther? Do you think that's a real thing that, you know, that that first month of the season, especially with all the snow outs, the cold weather and stuff? Do you think that that plays a part in it or do you think that this post, I don't even know if I should say post-COVID, but this new COVID world is just turning the baseball season a little upside down?
1: I mean, it's part of it. Right, I mean, there's a big. I think that is a big deal. I think another thing that's contributing to it is we've got young players that normally would have been in the minor leagues already Mm -hmm. that haven't been because the minor leagues are just now starting. So they're getting their they're getting to cut their teeth at the big league level, and doing so means they're going to strike out a lot. the The warm weather will help offense, but it's really hard to quantify it, especially on a single player basis. Right, that's really the thing is you can't say the warm weather is going to help this guy. Mm -hmm. We know it's going to help the league as a whole. Right, which is useful. But what we don't know is exactly who's going to make those improvements because of it. I mean, we, we could really drill down and maybe find a couple guys who routinely get better mm-hmm. after the first month, but it's really hard to do. The sample sizes are not very good. So that's really the thing I'm kind of thinking about is yeah, it's going to get better. I just don't really know who's going to get better and when. Because it's not just this ticking time bomb waiting to explode, it's this thing that happens gradually. To some players and not
0: all. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, some of the players we're going to be talking about in this next segment probably weren't drafted in 12-team leagues, but they've gotten off to good start, starts. And at the very least, they could be considered as good options as replacement players. Guys, just are your lineup if your starter is out. Uh, players might even be available on the waiver wire in shallower leagues. 15-teamers, uh, they probably would have been recently added uh, off the wave of wire. And this guy wasn't even in our rundown. I just mentioned him. Matt Harvey, probably going to get another win today. Uh, Saturdays, by the way, Saturday we're, we're recording this. Unless something goes terribly wrong. Right before this, he was winning uh, six to nothing in the third inning, which would make him three and one. The Dark Knight may be back. But uh, uh, why don't we get started with uh, someone who was on our rundown, Nate Lowe? Been a bit of a bumpy ride for him. Uh, first baseman for the Texas Rangers, but uh, he's been on uh, an upswing of late, even really improved his plate discipline. Uh, Up until April 15th, Scott, he was striking out 32.7% of the time since then. Strikeout rate has dropped to 20%. Entered the weekend, 278 batting average, six home run, league leading 22 RBI. He's on pace for a 30 homer, 100 RBI season. Legit or no? You know,
1: I was a lot more against this until very recently when I too saw that for the last two weeks or so, he's been a lot better with the strikeouts. Mm -hmm. That's been my big concern. There was a point where his strikeout rate was pushing 40% uh, about around like the middle of April. And it was ugly. It was scary. He's gotten a lot better with that. So if he continues to walk at this, like, 12 to 13% rate and strikes out less than 25%. I think this is a more legit than I originally was going to give him credit for. Mm-hmm. 30 home runs, 100 RBI, that's going to be really tough. 100 RBI especially cuz I just don't see Texas continuing this offense. Although, we just talked about weather warming <laughs> up, there is no place it will warm up more than Texas. right, right? It right. is going to get hot. There and the ball, you know, it used to fly a lot more. My understanding is that the park plays a lot more neutral now, mm-hmm. but Man, he looks good, and he's made the adjustment we hoped for. The strikeout rate is better. I think the batting average is going to come down, right? You know, since April 18th, that's the date I looked at. He's hitting 341, and I just don't see that happening. Uh-huh. He's probably more of like a 250 kind of guy, 260. Yeah, I'd agree. But he can still hit for some power. He could still slug 500. He mm-hmm. could still, you know, if he keeps that plate discipline, it might even be a little better than that. And the OBP will be really helpful, too. So I, I'm, I'm buying. Mm-hmm. I, I wasn't. Until maybe the last week or two, I've really, which obviously was too late if you're just trying to add the guy, Mm -hmm. but he's made the changes and that's what we were waiting to see. And his track record didn't necessarily suggest it, but he's done it. We'll see if he can keep doing it.
0: All right. Next player, Josh Harrison playing second base every day for the Washington Nationals. He's healthy. He's got a new grip on the bat. Went three for five on Saturday, the day that we're recording this podcast, now batting 356 Scott deep league middle infield replacement what are you thinking
1: I mean that's what I I roster him as I've got him in two leagues and they're both very deep and that's what he is for me he's this sort of uh one guy being three different backups kind of thing you know even peak Josh Josh Harrison which was like 2017 where he had 16 home runs and 12 steals with low counting stats. Mm-hmm. He was a fringy guy in 12 teamers. I think he's even fringier now because the speed's just not there. But if you're in a deep league, you need to fill in. This is where to get it, right? Like get it, get it while the getting's good. He's, he's hitting the ball well. He is healthy. This is not going to continue forever. This is not a guy who can slug much higher than 400 for any extended period of time, but he can hit for batting average. They'll bat him higher in the lineup than you'd really expect. He rarely strikes out. Right, he's got really nice plate discipline. He's useful when he's hot right now, and he'll be pretty easy for you to cut later when there's something shinier on the wire.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, upside. Am I being too optimistic? Twelve, twelve for the year if he plays every day. Twelve, sure, homers, but you're, you're not going to keep him that long. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> like you're, you're not going to roster him long enough to get all twelve of those. But he could,
0: he could do a couple of each for you before you're ready to move on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good point. Uh, speaking of the Nats, how about this guy? Yadil hernandez another seasoned quote-unquote minor league ball player spent a bunch of years playing in cuba He's Been given the nationals some relief with uh superstar that's right uh juan soto on the il with a shoulder injury 33 years old and in 15 years playing in cuba and the minor leagues compiled a cumulative batting average of over 300 also hits for power Admittedly, it's gonna to be tough for him to keep on getting at bats once Soto comes back from the IL, but I kinda of like what this guy's doing right now.
1: I think what I really like is the plate discipline, right? He doesn't walk a ton, but he's not striking out. Mm-hmm. And obviously that's easy to do when you're hot, right? Like you you capture any 30 plate appearance. I think he's got twenty nine as of this recording. Uh, you you capture any like 28 plate appearance sample, you could find a guy who's hitting well and striking out 13.8% of the time, right? But that's what he's doing right now. I think in a very deep league, you might have him as that fifth outfielder, util guy, but you're ready to cup eight because those those at-bats, like you said, they're going to be gone, mm-hmm. right? Juan Soto sits for nobody, right? right? Like, there's, <laughs> there's just not at-bats, like Josh Harrison's going to have a hard enough time staying in the outfield, right? Because he can't, he's not going to be covering for a whole lot of things, so... Uh, yeah, he'll go, you know, he'll go down. It's weird sending a 33-year-old down, but mm-hmm. that's probably what will happen. And it's a neat story for the next week or two weeks.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, uh, Nationals starting pitcher John Lester made his season debut for the Nats. Pitch well, five shutout innings, only one strikeout, walked two. So they could really use the help in uh, starting pitching in their rotation. Let's move on to uh, Joey Wendell from the Rays, and you said this last week, Rays just keep on squeezing the most out of their players, both on the pitching side and the hitting side. Uh, Wendell, career 280 hitter, entered the weekend batting three hundred and sixteen with three home runs, and pretty surprised a 16 RBI in his first 23 games. Below the radar player, spent most of uh, the time this season playing third base, can play short, has played the outfield in his career as well, and I was a little surprised with his 162 game average, 17 stolen bases and 10 home runs. But do you think that the impending call-up of De Franco is going to force him to the bench once the Rays have to reshuffle that infield? I mean, legit, or we're we going to have to quit him soon?
1: You know, what's tough is, you know, Willie really Adamas is a really nice defensive shortstop, so it's mm-hmm. going to be hard to move him off his position. Wendell has been playing well. I mean, for fantasy purposes, it's great that he's hitting third, and he's useful now, but, like, the upside is really limited. He just doesn't have a ton of power, doesn't have a ton of speed, and he could hit 280. I think in a full season, but like at the end of the day, I'm taking the under on 15 home runs. I'm mm-hmm. taking the under on 15 steals and I'm taking the under on 25 combined. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So the problem there is in a 12 team league, what's, what's the exit strategy, right? I mean, what's, what's the plan. So, you know, use him for now. And when he's not hitting third anymore, let him go. Mm-hmm. Right. I will just say like, it's fitting that the race play in Tropicana because they've somehow managed to take like one orange and <laughs> made 16 gallons of orange juice. Wow. What a great, out of this. It's Yeah. I like it is, that. Yeah. It's unreal what yeah, they've been able right. to do with this. So, um, you know, good for them. Uh, but they're really waiting for Wander Franco to come up. He's going to get some time in, in AAA. He's going to come up, and eventually he's going to hit so much that we're going to forget that Joey Wendell is a thing, mm-hmm. which, quite frankly, we've done before uh, without Wander Franco. We've forgotten that Joey <laughs> Wendell is a thing because he's not usually hitting like this. Right. And eventually he'll stop
0: hitting like this, and you can move on. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nick Solak has been the. Rangers starting second baseman this season looks like he's finally fulfilling his potential. Rangers told him way before the start of the season that he was going to be their starting second baseman. Maybe that puts his mind at ease. Previous season, he was playing third base, spent some time in the outfield, and he's really not known for his glove. He is known for having a plus bat skill, but he's been comfortable playing second base. He worked on improving his defense over the offseason, and again you know, once you're comfortable playing on the field, I think that just clears your mind a little bit. Batting 305, seven home runs, 14 RBI, two stolen bases, first 26 games, legit or quit?
1: Yeah. So, you know, there's kind of two things here. Number one, I thought this was going to be closer to like a 20 home run, 15 stolen base guy. And he's looking more like a 25 home run, Mm -hmm. 10 stolen base guy. But at the end of the day, that's still you know, huge profit on what you paid back on draft day. He wasn't overly coveted, especially with the very limited power he showed in the 60 game season last year. So, you know, I'm I'm in if, you know, as long as you are making that expectation that by the end of the season, he's like a 25 home run, 10 stolen base guy, right? With a 270 ish average, Mm -hmm, maybe, mm -hmm. right? That's a good player. Right? That's not like this blow-your-mind, league-changing player. Right. But it's one that you got probably near the end of your 12-team draft if you drafted, mm-hmm. if he was drafted at all. Right, right? 25 home runs, 10 steals, a second base, that ain't too bad. right? There's a lot of players that we drafted a lot higher than that mm-hmm. who we are hoping can do that. Right. So I'm, I'm in, and that's the expectation I'm setting.
0: Yeah, Crazy, but he's on a 40-home run pace. But I agree with you. 25 is probably where he's going to end up with. Uh, and also give you some steals as well. Nico Horner has been playing some shortstop when Javier Baez was out for the Cubbies, and now that Baez is back, he's been playing some second base. he could also play some Some something that he could continue to get every day at bats in place of the struggling David Bote. Small sample size, but in his first eight games, batting 360 with four runs batted in. Not a tremendous prospect, but he was looked upon as someone that would have some upsides in the offensive department. That doesn't really do anything great. Not really a home run hitter, not really a, not going to steal a ton of bases for you, but do you think that he could continue to get regular bats in the Cubs lineup?
1: Yeah, I mean, he can, he, he tends to hit at the bottom of the order for them. I like that. He's taken some walks early on this season, but at the end of the day, the thing about Horner is there's just, there's not a lot of power and there's not a lot of speed. Mm -hmm. He's one of these, um, I kind of right now I'm thinking of him as a very David Fletcher like player, maybe not quite so much batting average, but he's very like, he's in that mold of David Fletcher where, you know, in a full season, he's going to, he's going to threaten double digit home runs. He's going to threaten double digit stolen bases. He's going to put a lot of bat on the ball. He's going to hit for a decent average, but at the end of the day, it's like in fantasy, do I care? Right. Especially because Fletcher hits at the top of that order, Horner's been batting at the bottom of it. Mm -hmm. So like a lot of Fletcher's value comes from a lot of those runs scored and that he's getting the most out of those hits. And I'm not really sure that's going to be happening for Horner. So I like him as a baseball prospect, but as a fantasy one, he's very, you know, hard to utilize outside of extremely deep
0: leagues. Yeah. Kind of vanilla. I kind of agree with you. Austin Riley post-hype sleeper for the Braves, lots of power. Entered the season with a 232 batting average in the first 132 games of his career. Been on a tear lately. Last 10 games entering this weekend, 483 batting average, three home runs, 10 runs scored, six RBI. Cutting down on the strikeouts, his first season in the majors, 36.4% K rate. Last season, it was 23.8. This season, 22.5. Doing better against off-speed pitches this season. What do you think? Legit or quit?
1: I mean, there is legitimacy here. This is a, a 25 home run bat, I think. A lot of power. I mean, his his power grade was like 70 for the raw power. He, mm-hmm. just, he is really, really strong. I remember we were all very excited when he came up. The problem was the strikeouts. He was striking out, you know, his, his rookie season, he struck out 36.4% of the time. And that's after he made some corrections and started hot. There was a time in the middle of that season where he was striking out nearly half of his at bats. It was really ugly. So, I mean, there's he's played almost a, a full season in his full career in the majors. 157 games, he has 29 home runs. That power's legit, right? The problem is over that course of time, he's got a 30% strikeout rate and that won't play. Right. Right? right. He he doesn't hit enough to justify having him out there all the time. Like the the Braves will just move on, find someone else. So, I think they're going to stick with him though, as long as he keeps, you know, walking at a at a new, you know, I don't want to say it's a new high necessarily, but he does have 11.8 walk rate so far this season. Mm-hmm. He's continued the strikeout gains he had last season. So between this season and last season, he's only striking out about 23.7, 23.8 percent of the time. Mm-hmm. That's very playable. Yep. That's very useful. I think he can get hit closer to 250, 260 with that. So. That plus 25 home runs, pretty decent player there. So so I'm buying, but I'm watching the strikeouts ever so carefully.
0: Mm-hmm. Ty France, batting 333 with a home run and eight RBI in his last 14 games, put up some big power numbers in his minor league career, part of which was played in the hitter-friendly PCL league. So you got to take that into consideration as well. But a 294, 380, 389, 470 slash in five minor league seasons. No matter where he played should be taken into consideration what are we thinking about ty france continues to get regular bats and continues to grow as a hitter
1: i mean i really want to be more excited about ty france than i am right problem is he did have more power in the minors but at the same time it's hard for me right now to see him at the major league level and this is just based on the scouting that i've read i haven't scouted him a ton myself but I'm not really seeing much more than 20 home runs here. Mm-hmm. Right. Like to me, he's looking a lot like another guy that was on this list and that's like a, a Brian Reynolds type. Mm-hmm. Right. But with a little less contact, and that doesn't mean that's a bad player. I really like that. You know, for Brian Reynolds, it's probably more like a fourth or a fifth out, fifth outfielder a outfield three when he's hot mm-hmm. with Ty France, he's more like a middle infielder in most leagues. And he's a passable second baseman when he's hot. Right. So, it's a useful player, but you're not going to set the world on fire here, right? Like there's a good batting average and 20 home runs, you know, take that for what it is, accept it, but don't be thinking like, what's the next level? Because mm-hmm. if there is a next level, he needs to show it to us. I, I think it's going to be pretty new, right? Right. Like I know he had 27 home runs in 76 games in the minors and that's really cool, but this ain't that mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. Like he's not in that league and, and that was still very good for that league right in triple a, but he was also, you know maybe a little bit old for that level. Plus I just don't see that in the. I don't see that happening in the major leagues from what I've seen from the way the ball jumps off his bat.
0: Hmm. We have another Texas Ranger on our list and just goes to show you that, you know, your top fantasy players don't always have to come from contending teams, but this guy really want to pull for Willie Calhoun, uh, another fairly young post hype sleeper 26 years old has had injury issues last season got hit in the face with a pitch broke his jaw best season and it wasn't even a whole season in uh, in the major leagues was 2019 he had 21 home runs in 83 games batted 277 uh batting 306 with a home run in his first ten games do you think that he's legit or is it too soon to see uh I, like I said with all of this guy's injury problems that he's had over the years i'm really pulling for him
1: i want to too right so when he came up this was supposed to be like a 25 30 home run bat Mm -hmm. with a good batting average we haven't really seen either one for as good as he's been so far this season hitting like 293 at time of this recording he has one extra base hit Mm -hmm. one right in 45 plate appearances that ain't gonna cut it right the guy's slugging 366 Mm -hmm. that ain't gonna cut it right he's it's great that he's, you know, hitting for a better average, but you can't sacrifice power this way. I don't think that's necessarily what he's doing. Mm-hmm. He just hasn't been able to hit for power yet since he's been up. And, you know, it's a, yeah, sure. He's had a hit in all but one of his starts, but again, with no extra bases, who cares, mm-hmm. right? Like <laughs> he can't, he can't keep scoring runs with this offense. Right. Unless they like, unless the whole offense gets replaced, right? Like they're just not this good. So I, I want to believe, but I'm not trying to believe in any of my, 12 teamers and probably not even my 15 teamers, Mm. right? Like there's just, there's not enough here. I need to see something else happen. I don't mind if I miss the boat here because I I just don't, you know, the upside is cool. It's like a 30 home run guy with good batting average, but I don't think that's happening. Mm -hmm. I think more realistically this season, you're hoping for a 20 home run season, which means he's actually got to like stay on the big league roster, which he hasn't been able to do at all. So, you know, I'm probably going to miss the boat here. Uh, if he breaks out, but until I see power, I'm not interested.
0: I'm just hoping he gets 500 at bats. And uh, I think the numbers will follow if he just gets enough at bats and, and stays healthy. But I understand what you're saying. Um, just need to see more power out of him. But yeah, just wishing him if the I just wish I can just
1: interject for a second. One of my favorite trivia questions that I used to ask. So this is the player that replaced Nomar Mazara in Texas he's actually older than Nomar Mazara <laughs> by, by a month or two. Right. It doesn't feel that way, right, but he is right? right. Nomar Mazzara is now, you know, getting, you know, like getting dumped down by the tigers. Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. And here's Willie Calhoun, the, you know, the new future. Yeah, it, It's been rough in left field for,
0: uh, for Texas. Yeah. Yeah. Last offensive player that we'll talk about today. Catcher for the Diamondbacks, Carson Kelly. Kelly uh, got back to basics this winter Return this spring with a swing that more resembles the one he had in 2019. Uh, he that was his breakout season, 18 home runs and an 826 OPS, adopting the KISS. Keep it simple, stupid. Now KISS isn't just a rock band there, Scott. <laughs> That's the Keep It Simple Stupid acronym. Uh, after hitting uh 294 against fastballs in 2019. Kelly hit just 227 against them last season, but this season sitting 321 against fastballs added almost three miles per hour to his average exit velocity, barrel rates up. I don't know. I believe in this guy. So a 340 uh, batting average, six home runs, 14 RBI in his first 19 games uh, already has one more home run than all of last season.
1: Yeah. And what I'm really liking so far, again, very small sample. It's only about 40 plate appearances, but or 50 plate appearances, but improvements against righties right so he was he had struggled against he's always been able to hit lefties had been struggling against righties he's got video game numbers right now Mm -hmm. in terms of his on the season stuff and if if you've got him a catcher you're riding this until it stops Mm -hmm. right there's there's no catcher coming up on the wire that you're really going to be more excited about than this right now i mean there are other catchers out there i mean alejandro kirk you know he's up and he's a guy that could hit over 280 um, and in a full season could hit 15 home runs, but you know, he's a terrible defensive catcher. So I don't see him playing full time or even have the li- even having the lion's share of the role like Carson Kelly has, right? He's, he's good defensively. The only thing about Kelly that's at all a knock and it's not really is that he can't run. He has a 20 speed. I didn't even know they did that. Right? <laughs> I didn't know they gave 20 grades and they did on Carson Kelly speed. He, he does not run at all. He never, he'll never steal you a base, but, uh, he'll continue to smack the ball pretty darn hard. And until he stops doing that, I think you've gotta run him out and you're not benching him ever. Mm-hmm. You know, right now he's sort of uh he's in that circle of trust at catcher where you're not really thinking about streaming anyone else gotcha. for right now. You're just locking him in until he goes on an extended slump.
0: Any other offensive uh, players that you wanted to mention or Yeah, I'll I'll cover real quick. We talked about him in the
1: Discord. So if you're not in the Discord, you probably should be. You can join us, PL plus, you know, get on the pitcherless website, you can sign up for that. One guy, Pavin Smith, I mean, a lot of people are excited. He's been batting leadoff for the Diamondbacks. Uh, You know, he's a lefty. The thing is, they've got lefties in that lineup. Uh, I guess in a full season, he could be like a 20 home run guy, but I just don't see it happening because eventually Cole Calhoun's going to come back. Ketel Marte's going to come back. Uh, They've got Dalton Varsho up right now. He's going to probably demand playing time. Mm -hmm. It's going to be hard for Pavin Smith to stay in full time. We talked about this before, just this whole glut of guys in Arizona, you know, eventually you know, Christian Walker's coming back. There's just not going to be room for Pavin Smith. So he's another one of these guys that if you're riding it, go ahead. And then when he stops playing every day, I think you just let him go. Yeah. And I thought I'd mention your mean Mercedes just because I'm in, right. Especially in ESPN or some other format where you can get him at catcher. I think there's a 20, 25 home run bat here with, with good batting average. Right. And he's batting fifth, right. So as this offense heats up and if he can keep doing what he's doing, he's going to be great. I also think he's a strong second utility in those Yahoo leagues. I have to, Mm I mean, there's just, you know he's overperforming his expected batting average, but his expected batting average is still like three thirty. Yes. Right. So I don't care he's overperforming it because even if he drops down, if he regresses, so to speak, it's three thirty. Mm-hmm. I'm taking it all day. So um, I- I'm into that. Although, uh, you know, he might be able to get catcher eligibility for one more season, mm-hmm. maybe. But it's it's hard to tell because they've been letting Zach Collins do that, who I don't think is any good. But um, you know, we already talked about Kirilov, so that's probably the list of guys that mm-hmm. we had there. But I wish I could be a lot rosier on these guys, but this is kind of where we are. A lot of these are the cringy 12 team guys and some of them like Solak and, and Riley, I mm-hmm. think can pan out Brian Reynolds. I think he can pan out Ty France, but other guys like you're going to, I'm going to say this all the time this season, like the Pavin Smiths of the world who, yeah, it's pretty cool that they're hot right now, but these teams have players that they are actually counting on mm-hmm. who are going to come in and probably take these roles. I mean, your Mercedes is a great example of a guy who they weren't counting on, who come in and came and forced his way in, you know, at the, you know, a couple injuries helped there. You know, I don't know if we're talking about him at all. If, if Eloy isn't injured and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, all the other guys in that outfield getting hurt, but you know, so he's carved out a role now, but you know, that's really hard to do. And that's not something I would really recommend anyone try to chase mm-hmm. they carving out the role comes second. Let him be hot for a while first and accept that for what it is. Like the path to Pavin Smith carving out a full-time role is really hard to gra- like really hard to imagine in in this reality. Right? Right? He's going to have to hit like 400 and rake because who's who's not coming up? Catal Marte, Cole Calhoun?
0: Well, I think Calhoun right? like, isn't Calhoun now going to be out for almost 8 weeks that the
1: Oh yeah, yeah. He might be so So that that might help him a little little bit. bit. Yeah, yeah. But But you're still Varsho there too, and that's their top prospect Mm -hmm. there.
0: So Mm
1: -hmm. it's a a path to full season at bats where he's a difference maker, a twelve teamer. Not great, Mm -hmm. right? It's a long, arduous path. So could he do it? Sure, and maybe you can prove me wrong. That's fine. But um, I'm going to bet against it for now, and I'll kind of let it happen. I'm not saying you shouldn't roster the guy. I'm just saying you're getting ready to cut him. Yeah. At the drop of a hat.
0: And with Kelly uh, playing the way he is as a catcher for the Diamondbacks, when Varsho, I think he's currently on the big league roster now, right? They call them back up, but it's going to be his playing time is going to always be in the outfield, right? Because you're not going to bench Kelly with the way he's batting, right? No, mm-hmm. no. So, I mean, that and that's
1: really where we're stuck, right? Mm-hmm. So, and that's what's up. I and mean, same for Alejandro Kirk. Yeah, he's an excellent hitter, mm-hmm. right? Especially a catcher but he's a bad defensive catcher. He's Mm -hmm. not good at it. (laughs) And it's really, it's really hard for the blue Jays. You know, it's hard for a major league team to start bad catchers. I mean, we already talked about Gary Sanchez. If he was a good defensive catcher, they'd be waiting it out, Mm -hmm. but he's not. That's why Higashioka is getting time because he's not a good defensive catcher. And it's hard to win games with a bad defensive catcher. There's a reason guys like Victor Martinez were taken off catching because they can't, they they weren't that good at it when they were young Mm -hmm. and healthy. And then when they're not, or, you know, whatever, it's hard to win that way. Same as, like, it's hard to win without a good defensive shortstop, right? So, that that's going to be really tough. So, I want to be, you know, for example, I really want to be excited about Kirk. But he just won't catch for that long. Right. Because he's not very good at it. And then the Blue Jays need someone who's good at it, right? Mm-hmm. Their, their defense is already a little suspect in some places. So... It, it's it's gonna be rough. And I want you know, I'm saying all this just to be like I wish I was Rosier on all these guys and saying everyone's great, go be happy and be merry. And I do think they're all great right now, and I just think it's gonna end. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean drop them now. You don't have to you don't have to drop them before it ends, but the leash needs to be short.
0: Right. Good point. And uh just to bring up because you brought him up uh Yerman Mercedes, I think somebody in the Discord said that Looks like he's going to be sitting when the White Sox play a couple of games in Cincinnati. I mean, when you look at Yasmani Grandal batting like 126, too bad that they can't just stick Mercedes behind the plate. Right, he's he's a, a catcher, but I don't know how good a catcher he is. But uh, that would keep his his bat in the lineup. But uh, I don't know. If he was a good catcher defensively,
1: <laughs> he'd still be doing it. I think so. Te- I think teams so. aren't. Yeah, no, nobody's swimming in so much <laughs> catcher depth that they're taking guys off catcher just because <laughs> guys are taking off catcher because they can't catch.
0: All right, should we talk about the Giants before we leave? Giants starting pitchers. Yeah, they're all great. <laughs> they really are. Right? <laughs> giant starting pitching, man. They lead the major leagues, as of this morning, which is Saturday, uh, 2 two29 ERA. And even their ERA estimator for the whole team uh, is high, So I mean, or low, we'll say. Uh, and when you look at the Giants' front office, man, how smart are they, right? I mean, they paid Gaussman, okay, 18.9 mil. But Aaron Sanchez, one year, $4 million, right? One year, $6 million for Di Sclafani. One year, $3 million for Alex Wood. And Cueto uh, making $21 million, but he's in the last year of his contract. Giants pitching staff taking advantage of hitter-friendly Oracle Park. And I, I got to tell you, so lucky to be a part of PitcherList, Scott. Man, you, you read this article that Alex Fass put together about Kevin Gaussman. I mean, it is amazing the way that he take support pitching i mean it's just textbook so if you want to learn how to evaluate pitches you need to read uh, alex fast stuff on pitcher list it's amazing especially uh the article that he recently wrote a kevin Gaussman.
1: so like him to write about a former oriole right he's a big, <laughs> big orioles fan right. and it seems like every time he's writing this big article it's always like someone that was an oriole hmm. right i'm just like I'm always waiting, like, you know, last year he's like, oh, I'm going to write about Dylan Bundy. I'm like, yeah, hey, I'm sure you are, Alex. What's next, right? You go, you're going to write up Alex Cobb for us. Is that the next move? You know, like, <laughs> I had to give him hard time. It's an excellent article. He does a great job with that. And that sort of leads to my point of, you know, I am not as good at analyzing pitchers as fast or Nick Pollock or anything like that, but I'm watching what they have to say about these guys closely mm-hmm. because, you know, just watching the results is just insufficient it's not good enough for hitters it's even worse if you're trying to do that just you know do box score scouting for pitching right because there's so many things you don't see in the box score with pitching right like a guy could be missing his spots and still get strikeouts right because the stuff's nasty but you can't miss your spots long term and succeed uh same for you know if if you're benefiting from good calls or if you know if you're pitch is working well for now, but it doesn't have very good movement. It doesn't have very good velocity. You're not commanding it some special way. Eventually teams are going to hit it. Right. So um, to make sure that that doesn't happen to your pitchers, I really recommend, you know, especially on the corner uh, or, you know, really a lot of our podcasts here love talking about pitching because this is pitcherless. That's what they do. Like we're sort of an exception. We talk hitters because that's what I'm better at. (laughs) And I'm not that good at the pitching stuff so much, but um, you know, really listen to you know either scout yourself or listen to what people have to say because with hitters we can talk a lot more about box scores because we have so many stats about what's going on you know exit velocities and things like that with pitching so much of it is is command and control Mm -hmm. that you just you gotta read you gotta you gotta listen you gotta do all those things because the box scores themselves are just not enough
0: right agreed yeah all right well that's all she wrote for today there scott great stuff from you as always and I want to thank you for allowing us to visit with you. We hope you were both informed and entertained because, of course, that's our goal. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? You could follow me at Joe Galina. Follow Scott at If the Chew Fits. Maybe you'll put a picture of himself without the mustache. You get to see the mustacheless Scott Chew. Uh, you could follow the podcast at Hacks and Jacks PL. If you follow at Pitcherless Pods, you'll be informed anytime a new episode drops for any of the great podcasts on the List Podcast Network. Subscribe to Hacks and Jacks on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a stellar five-star review. And as always, we hope that all of your fantasies become realities. I want you to have a great week, and we'll see you next time.